You're listening to Object of Sound from Sonos, the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture. When music lives in the air, it's one thing, but when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song, when you can feel its weight, it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. In February, Object of Sound was part of the first ever podcast experience, which was an interactive podcast exhibition put on by On Air Fest in Brooklyn. And for the podcast experience, we kind of built a universe for the show. So it was a room that was full of records and books and artifacts from all the artists and people we've had on the show. They were Easter eggs tying back to almost every episode we've ever done for our full four-season run. And we created a real-life object of sound hotline. There was a phone you could pick up and call and leave a message answering the question, what is the sound of where I come from? This is a question I thought a lot about, and it is captivating to me because I am someone who has such a tight-knit identity to the place I'm from, but I'm also someone who understands, again, that from is kind of flexible. And so even when I say I'm from Ohio, what I also mean is I'm from Columbus, which is also saying that I'm from the east side of Columbus, which is also saying that I am from the far east side of Columbus in a very specific neighborhood, which had a soundscape that was different than a neighborhood even three blocks away. Sound can be a marker. It can be an identifier of a place that can be uniquely yours. Like when I was a kid, my father would play John Coltrane's A Love Supreme when pulling up in the driveway after work. And so you can kind of hear it from a couple houses down and you hear it as it get louder and then hear it get louder as you pulled up in the driveway. And so in a way, um, a love supreme today still kind of takes me back to the sound of my father returning home from work. And when we asked you, our listeners, to answer the question, what is the sound of where you come from? We realized just how personal and expansive this idea can be. And so we're going to devote this whole episode to this idea in unraveling the relationship between sound and home and belonging with multiple people. I spoke to Angelica Negron, a composer and multi-instrumentalist whose work is deeply rooted in these questions. And, of course, we're going to hear from you, our listeners, who called in to tell us what the sound of where I come from means to you. And at the end of the episode, I put together a little playlist of songs that are about my home state of Ohio. Not necessarily songs by artists from Ohio, uh, though there are one or two in there, but mostly songs that are about Ohio in some way. You can hear that over on Sonos Radio at radio.sonos.com or in the Sonos app. And we'll leave a link to it in the show notes. I hope that at the end of the episode, you'll come out on the other side of it kind of more attuned to the sounds that raised you and made you who you are. And if you've got a good one right away or remember one as you're listening along to this episode, share it with us. We're at Object of Sound on Twitter and Instagram, and I'd love to hear about the songs that soundtrack what home means to you.
And so to start us off, I decided to call a friend. Hey, Reagan, how are you? It's good to hear from you. You too. I haven't heard from you in a while. So I have a question that I'm asking people, and I'm wondering, what is the sound of where you come from? I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, and my parents didn't have music on all the time. So when you said the sound of where you came from, I think of being at my grandmother's house and the sound of the train, you know, when we're all trying to sleep in somebody's room or the sound of people playing cards and kind of like talking to each other. And there was like, you know, stuff on the radio or people were playing funk records and just people running back and forth and trying to get ice cream out of a huge cooler in the room off from the kitchen and stuff like that. After I spoke to Reagan, I called my friend Scott. Scott, it's good to hear from you, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I've known Scott for several years now. I was really curious about what sounds reminded him of our shared hometown. Well, for me, it is very distinctly about my mother's house. And I grew up with competing record collections. I had two older brothers, Stephen and Tim. And Tim had all the black music and Stephen had all the white music. And they couldn't be further apart as people, and the music reflected that. And I was, fortunately, musically caught in the middle of that my entire life. Matter of fact, both of their collections are the seeds of my collection. I stole them, basically. (laughs) (laughs) One of the songs that transports me back to that time is Stevie Wonder's Too High. It is probably the first song I ever heard. I'm too high, too high, but into the sky. And finally, I called my friend Reg. Reg is a DJ, and they are someone who plays with sound and works in sound. And I figured they would have a really thoughtful answer about this one. Thinking about the music where I'm from, I always think back to when I was growing up with all my siblings and we would just watch, I think MTV or VH1's like, you know, countdown or whatever. And I only remember this because it's like one of the nights before we moved to Mansfield, Ohio, but Linkin Park released their song for Transformers. And for some reason, that song was so good. It went so crazy. And I just remembered us, we were watching that music video for some reason, and we were all getting hyped to that sound and to that song. Talking to Reagan, Scott, and Reg, it made me consider that the sound of where I come from could be an actual sound, not necessarily a song. So like when Reagan talked about hearing trains go by at night, it reminded me of an apartment where I used to live where the church bells would ring constantly every 15 minutes. And even though I hated it at the time, once I left that place, I came to miss it. To dive deeper into these ideas, I got in touch with an artist whose work I really love, Angelica Negron. (laughs) 
Erica Negron is a Puerto Rican-born composer and multi-instrumentalist. She has created numerous orchestral works and film scores and performs with the tropical electronic band Balloon. In her work, she often uses sounds from the world around us to create music, say pots and pans, children's toys, and more. Her work is deeply invested in these ideas of place and memory, which is why I'm so delighted to speak to her for this episode. Hi, Angelica. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice to meet you. It's so good to meet you. This is like really exciting for me. The first question I'm going to ask is a question that is kind of the organizing question of this episode that I've been asking mm -hmm. everyone, which is, what is the sound of where you come from? Wow, what a beautiful question that I've never been asked before. I think the sound of home is a mix of comfort with just the right amount of chaos. Um, for me, I connected a lot to very loud TV blasting to the sound of cookies uh, at night, sounds that, um, that I grew up with that I took for granted. And now that I'm in another home away from my f original home that I miss dearly. I miss the stillness and I also miss the chaos. I love that. Would you kind of think about early songs that defined place for you or defined that felt like home for you? Are there any songs that stand out? When my family gets together for any kind of celebration. There's live music. And my mom actually is a really great plenera. She she plays the pleneros. And the, these songs also have like a, this kind of like, um, everyone is singing as loudly as they can. It doesn't really matter if we're singing in tune. It's just, we're just like <sighs> singing our hearts out. So like in those moments, it doesn't matter all the drama in the family, all this onset to this on and the other party. That did not matter at all. It was just about, we were all singing, laughing, and everyone had an instrument in their hands. Yeah, I grew up in a household that was somewhat musical, but I also just grew up around churches and around choirs and around collective music making. And there's something kind of democratic about the process of that kind of music making, because it doesn't really matter if you're uh, the most gifted instrumentalist or the best singer in the world, if you can kind of like fold into the noise, there's some harmony to be found there, which is, I think, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's like, it doesn't matter um, who you are. And I come from a big family. So like everyone has their own personality, but these kind of like, these songs just bring everyone together, even like the shyest cousin or, and I think that if, if we're thinking about one song specifically, I think one song called La Bomba. That's a kind of an interactive song in, in which like people have to say a little verse and so it puts someone on the spot. So then if, and if that person is like shy or doesn't know what to say, then there's another song that follows up. That that says no sabe na, no sabe na, no sabe na de bomba, no sabe na. So it's like, oh, you don't know anything, but it's like it's all it's like celebrated the shyness or the awkwardness. It's also part of the song. I love that. There's something I really love about your performances and your work. 
when you think about the art of where we come from or what inspires these sounds or artistic motivations, um, at least for me, so much of my roots are in the childhood I had where I think I was most tied to and affixed to the sense of wonder and the sense of play and the sense of just an expansive understanding of the world and how I could fit myself into it. Now, that was before I began to write. But when I'm writing, I, I always am drawn to the question of how do I get myself back there and kind of unlock that thing? And I think even using found sounds as you do is in line with that kind of seeking curiosity. But there's also like literally toys on stage sometimes and music made just like collectively. There's a collective spirit to what you're doing. I'm interested in how you tap into that kind of um, childlike wonder so efficiently and to, and to do it in a way that furthers your work. Thank you for sharing that. That resonates so deeply with me. It's um, I think every time I I start a new piece or I write music, I'm trying to reconnect with that childlike wonder and that playfulness, that curiosity, that it's the thing that, you know, that keeps me going. I think of childhood as a place of wonder and playfulness, but also a, a place of a lot of of mystery and confusion and 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 discovery. And it's it's a really layered, complex place for me, which is why I feel like I'm oftentimes coming back to it. My fascination with toy instruments actually starts with this music box that I was handed. And this came from a kind of tragic family story of like, I had an aunt that passed away with her four children in a car accident when I was three. And I really don't remember much about that time, but I do have this memory of my grandma handing out the toys from our cousins that we had lost. And there were a lot of Care Bears and there was this strawberry shortcake music box that I still have to this day. So I've been collecting music boxes ever since. So it's a beautiful, cute strawberry shortcake object and and with with a beautiful you know nostalgic sound that we associate with music boxes, but for me, it's a connection to my cousin that passed away that had, was the same age I was actually, who only got to live until she was three. And toys for me have that potential also that there's always something that's not quite pristine about the sound quality of it whether it's like it's out a little out of tune or you can hear the mechanism, like there's always something that for me, it's really interesting sonically, taps also into how layered childhood experience can be. I love that because I, I think um, what I do love about childhood instruments is the imperfections, even if something like a a kazoo, for example, which is the first instrument I played, right? It's so uh, at the mercy of of just like breath and it's almost like a talk box. <laughs> you could make it sound like anything. And those imperfections, I think, still allow for that kind of expansive playfulness. I'm sure it's not only the sound of the kazoo, but it's like your experience and if you were playing it for your family or if you were playing it in your room by yourself or just like all, all the layers that come into that. Like um, for me, I'm... I'm never bored with that. Like I, I use a lot of pots and pans and sampling that in my music. And of course, there's the obvious like domesticity of it and me growing up around a lot of women that were cooking for a lot of people. And But also I'm Puerto Rican and there's 
no way I can I can hear a caldero and I cannot think of protest and resilience. So each object tied to a sound has so much richness in it. And then I feel just incredibly grateful that I get to also play with that and then bring it into my own music and see what other new things I can evoke. You mentioned being from Puerto Rico and hearing sounds that are transportative. Do you find yourself now relocated from the place that you were born and raised and grew up, making music that ties you back to it or expands your idea of what it is to be from that place? Identity is huge for a lot of artists. Puerto Rican identity is is also huge and, and, and very complex. It's been 16 years now that I live in New York, but my family and closest friends are there. I go back and forth a lot. And even the sound of the airplane is is such a, an emblematic Puerto Rican sound because of the diaspora experiences. When the plane lands in Puerto Rico, people clap and or sometimes even sing, but it's such a celebration. And and this last trip I, I did, no one clapped when we landed. And I noticed that a lot of the people in the airplane were not Puerto Ricans, which has a whole nother kind of wave of feelings. It's very clear that kind of emptiness of the clapping, that sonic void, it's so loud and it's telling me so much about what's happening in the island. So I think a lot about not only the the accumulation of sounds and the sounds I hear, but also the sounds that are not there. It's just like, oof, a big oof of like... <laughs> This is very noticeable, and it's saying so much with this emptiness. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've been talking, I've been talking to people and thinking a lot about sound as a defining placekeeper or placeholder, and I have not been thinking as much about absence of sound as perhaps an even more stark defining placeholder. I mean, I think when conversations about gentrification arise, for example, so much of them have to do with what was and what is new, but not necessarily always about the ecosystem of sound that is now shifted eternally because of what's new, right? Yeah, yeah. That makes me think also of like walking in Santurce or, um, yeah, Condado, like areas that I used to go there a lot with my friends and now going there and the absence of Spanish, (laughs) you know, and just the uh, English mostly being the predominant language too, how much that says too about what's happening there. Yeah, and even the cars blasting reggaeton, you know, which is, I grew up in Carolina, which is like the kind of the center of reggaeton. But there's so many Airbnbs there now too. So that sonic landscape has also shifted. And it's interesting because I think my relationship to those things, it's not as, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I miss the blasting reggaeton in the cars. Like when I was living there, it was super annoying to me. But at the same time, it's very telling when those things that were just part of the reality and the daily life are now shifting. It's it's also fascinating. You brought up not loving a sound, but missing it nonetheless in like college and for most of my life after 
that in my early mid twenties, I lived near a church and the bells would go off every 15 minutes. And I hated it. I hated it so much. You know, it was like, it's waking me up. It's keeping me awake. All this. And that church is gone now. It's become like a shopping center or whatever. I still think about, gosh, those bells were, they signified something to me about where I was and, yeah. and you know, what was here before me too. Yeah. It's for me, it, it, it is like a strange sense of comfort because it it sounds and it feels like community and like home. I was um, really drawn to the work that you do around using plants and vegetables, things from the earth to kind of generate sound. One of my favorite kind of stranger records of all time is Stevie Wonder's Secret Life of Plants, which is like obsessed with the life cycle of the plant. How did you arrive at this process of building out that body of work? Well, I've been really curious about all the sounds around me for since that, as long as I can remember, even before I was writing music. Because I was writing so much electronic music, I I wanted to find something that was more engaging visually and more visceral and felt more alive than just me behind a laptop. So I was always trying to find different musical interfaces for expressing those sounds in a way that felt also very, very much alive. So at that time also, I was teaching in a Montessori preschool and I found this Kickstarter project that was a synth that anything that was conductive, you could attach an alligator clip and then it could become an instrument. So I got it as a toy and as a kind of tool, educational tool to play with my kids. So we made a banana synth and and f- found in the classroom other things that could conduct electricity. And so that was the entry point was through my work in education with a preschool. And then I was like, wait, this is the thing that I've been missing that in my setup for live performance, what if I now can build my own instruments and and find new ways to bring in other connections and associations. My lyrics are almost always in Spanish, so um, and I'm almost always in places that that's not the first language. So finding other entry points to invite audiences in. And also, I love using samples and field recordings from the environment. So I thought, what is more fun, at least for me, than to have like one of my favorite birds in Puerto Rico play when I touch this leaf of a plant instead of me behind a computer? That just felt a lot more satisfying and meaningful. Yeah, it brings you more in tune with the world. It's like a tactile experience instead of a digital one in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And Halika, thank you so much for talking to me. This was really great and really illuminating. I really loved your work. Yeah, thank you so much. And I really love your work too. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> very kind. That was composer and multi-instrumentalist Angelica Negron. We will leave a link to some of her work in the show notes. And I really encourage you to check it out, particularly some of the work that you can find on YouTube, because I think seeing some of these performances come to life. It is like really being inside the brain of a really generous and brilliant and eager creator. And I I just adored it. So I hope you'll seek some of that out for yourself. Hi, I'm Coit and I'm from Modesto, California. Before we close the episode, I wanted to share some of the messages we received from you, our listeners, about what the sound of where you come from means to you. 
My song is Sing Me Back Home by Merle Haggard. Let him sing me back home For the song I used to hear Make my old memories come alive The song for me has deep roots in the actual place I'm from. Merle Haggard is famous for his time in the valley, but it also just reminds me so much of how I found a home in music, which was with my dad singing the songs that his dad taught him to love with him in the car. Hi, my name is Nadira. I'm from Philadelphia. And there's a lot of sounds that remind me of Philly, but when it comes to home or where I come from, the song that I'm reminded most of is Boney M's Brown Girl in the Ring. Which is a song that my late grandfather used to sing as he bopped around the house. And when it got to the sweet like a sugar plum 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 part, he used to bop my nose on the plum plum. And it's something that is both, you know, physical and sonic and something that definitely reminds me of home and makes me feel safe. Hi, my name is Megan. I live in Brooklyn, New York. The song I pick is Titi Me Pregunta by Bad Bunny. Hey, Titi me preguntó si tengo mucha novia. Mucha novia, hoy tengo a una, mañana a otra. Hey, pero no hay boda. Titi me preguntó si tengo mucha novia. It really wasn't until I started listening to Bad Bunny's music that I began feeling some connection with my family and began really appreciating who I am as a Latina woman that doesn't look Latina and doesn't move through the world and isn't treated by the world as a Latina woman. Hey, honey, this is Christy, originally from Bakersfield, California. So this might be a bit on the nose, but Streets of Bakersfield by Buck Owens, originally Homer Joy. How many of you that sit and judge me ever walk the streets of Bakersfield? I really hated Bakersfield for most of my time growing up there. I hated the country music. I hated the conservative vibe. And it was dusty and dirty and hot. And later on in my life, I started listening to country music. And I started kind of feeling like, you know, why hate where you come from? I kind of felt like what had been stuff that I'd hated was so infused in making me who I was that I didn't hate it anymore. And now for a final thought. I'm the youngest of four, and I grew up in a house where everyone listened to music and everyone loved music and everyone had their own kind of soundscapes that they were pursuing. My sister loved grunge and alternative and, you know, Riot Girl and goth stuff, and my brother loved hip-hop and punk and metal and my parents, my mom was loved pop music and music from singers from other countries, Celia Cruz and Marion McCaba, and my father loved jazz. All of this stuff I got to kind of be a witness to because 
no one in my household was interested in hoarding what excited them. And because I was the youngest, I got to be a vessel for everyone else's pleasures. I didn't have much leeway or much power to change a radio station or switch out a CD in a car. I had to listen to whatever everybody else was listening to. And that, to me, is the way that my music fandom was shaped. Music fans in my household eager to share with me what they loved. It kind of pulls apart and demystifies this idea that if we love something, we have to keep it close to us because we don't want the world to taint it. I'm no longer interested in the image of the music fan as the kind of high-fidelity record shop guy, the one single all-knowing being who then hoards and gatekeeps all their knowledge. And then, on top of that, looks down upon people who don't have this kind of prerequisite knowledge that they've obtained. I don't really want to keep my pleasures and excitement safe. I want to um, have them in a place where enough people can access them and touch them and share them with me. And then communally, it doesn't really matter, you know, how big that community gets because we're all sharing the things we're excited about. And so that for me is what Object of Sound is about. And as we close this out, I would really encourage people to use this episode as a jumping off point to share some music they love with someone in whatever mode that takes. Lend someone a record, share a playlist. Maybe that music you pass along will become a memory or a piece of their identity or something that feels like home for them. This has been Object of Sound from Sonos. Thank you to our guests this week, Angelica Negron, as well as my friends Reagan, Scott, and Reg. To hear all the music in the full version of the show, listen on Sonos Radio at radio.sonos.com or in the Sonos app. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you love this show, rate it and share it with your friends. Also, tell us what you like about the show and what you're listening to. This is a communal thing, music discovery. Let us know your thoughts in an email. We're at objectofsound at sonos.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sonos Radio. This show is produced by Work by Work. Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Kathleen Ottinger, Skylar Swenson, and by me, Hanif Abdurraqib. The show is mixed by Sam Baer. Extra gratitude to Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. I'm always talking about music online and on Instagram and Twitter at Neef Muhammad. Thank you for listening. <laughs>